Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church, man. So excited to be here today. My name is Aaron. I'm the uh, senior pastor here. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and uh, all of our staff and pr- pastors and all the volunteers that set up with you, we're so happy that you're here with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, man, we're honored that you're here. You're coming on the right weekend, let me just tell you, because we're going to talk about vision today. And uh, we're going to talk about what God has for our church and where we're going. And uh, But if you are a guest, I mean, I am so happy that you're here. I always invite our guests to come at least three times. Come on, church, say three times. Here's why. is because I know that when you go to the place that you've never been to, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. And so I want to invite you to come back at least three times. And hopefully this could be your spiritual family. That's my prayer. That's our desire for you today. We're going to be uh, in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament today, in a book called Second Kings. So if you have your Bibles, go to Second Kings. also want to welcome everybody watching online on Facebook, uh, online right now. Hey, maybe you're in your PJs. Maybe you're thinking about coming to the church. Maybe we highly invite you to come out and come check us out. We'd love for you to be out here today. And uh, uh, we're going to talk vision today. It's going to be awesome. Also, if you have your phones, will you take them out? Go ahead. Yeah, can I have my phone in church? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, we want you to go ahead and check in. Let everybody know you're here on Facebook. It actually has caused a great conversation starter. It's been a great conversation starter for many people. They go like, well, you go to Rise. I didn't know that. I want to go with you. Let's go together. And then after y'all can go get some Starbucks. And so it'll be great. And uh, it'll be a good time. But uh, Second Kings is where we're going to be at today. We're going to talk, uh, starting a series, a two-part series today called Vision 2020. Ever say vision? Yeah, here's what I know is that every great church, every great movement, everything that's ever been done with any purpose or any passion or anything that's ever been done worthwhile always had a great vision. And we're going to give kind of part of our vision today and really what we are as a church. And so we're so excited that you're with us. Second Kings chapter number three is where we're going to be at. I want to put up a map here real quick because it's going to be relevant to kind of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, the story really encompasses uh, three main kings. There was a king of Edom. There was a king of Israel. There was a king of Moab, and the king of Israel and uh, the king of Moab down here, you see this place right here, Moab, and the king of Israel, they had a deal going, and the deal was is that they were going to get, uh, the king of, Mo- of, of Moab was going to give 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams wool to the king of Israel. Well, the problem was is that the king of Moab, his dad was the one who made the, the agreement. Well, his dad dies, and so the son comes up, and you know what, he, he winds up saying, I don't like that deal. I'm not going to honor that deal. Now, how that made the king of Israel pretty upset. So he kind of goes, well, man, that's messed up. I don't like that. I I think that's kind of messed up. So I'm going to go and make it right. God, we made a covenant under God. You went against the covenant. You went against our agreement. And so now I'm mad and you and I are going to have problems. So he gets his army together and he's so upset. He gets his boys. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like you go and you find your friend. Hey, we're going to go rumble in the streets, in the in the alley, and we're gonna get out, we're gonna get this dude, and you wanna make sure you're gonna win, you bring somebody with you, right? And so what he does is he goes to the king of Judah and says, will you help me? And they go, absolutely. In fact, they say this statement in the Bible is your flesh is my flesh. Your people are my people. It's kind of a cool like, hey, we're together in this. And then he goes, actually, I say, just in case. Everybody say, just in case. This is cool. He goes, just in case two is better than one. But you know what's better than two? 
three, yeah. And so he goes to the king of Edom and he goes, hey, we're going to let's get while we're on our way. So they're traveling. They say, while we're on our way to go take out Moab, we're going to go this way. We're going to grab one more army and then we're just going to have our way with this guy because he, he, he's messed up. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. And we're kind of upset by that. And so here's what happens. They are sent, you know, they feel they're on a righteous movement. They got a righteous, uh, you know, uh, thing they're going to defend. And they get stuck because they didn't realize Edom is a giant desert. And they get stuck in the middle of the desert with three armies and they run out of water. Now, I'm no scientist. But I've noticed that when you're in the desert, one of the things you probably need the most is water, right? And so they're in a a heap of trouble. And so we pick it up. This is the context. Don't you like getting context to messages sometimes? Like, you ever been to those churches? They start reading scriptures. You're like, what does that even mean? The pastor most of the time don't know what that means. So, all right, here we go. Second Kings chapter 3, verse 9. It says this. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Remember, they're all together. They're going to go. It's going to be awesome. They're doing their snapping, walking out. They're ready. Okay, after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves and the animals with them. So, again, we ran out of water. We're in trouble. So it goes on. Verse 10 says, what? Exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together? only delivers from the can to the hands of Moab. Isn't that like a prayer sometimes you have with God silently where something doesn't go your way and then you like get mad and you're like, God, really? You told me to do this and now I'm here and we have no water. Thanks. God, why would you do that? That's what happens. And so he goes, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here? Like, is there someone who talks to God? Because we need God in this. We can inquire of the Lord. An officer of the king of Israel like this. So somebody who's in the army goes, Elisha, that guy, that guy who, who the son of Shaphat is here. He used to pour hands on the, uh, pour water on the hands of Elijah. So he was saying, hey, he's his, he was his cupbearer. He was a guy, he was his second in line. He was, Elisha was, was like Elijah's you know, predecessor. He was like, this guy's going to come after me and he's going to have double my noise. He's going to be awesome. And so like, let's go get that guy. And so the word of the Lord is with him. Let's, get, let's go get him. And, and they, they all went down. They said, in fact, we're not going to have someone sent for him. We're going to go get him. So they all go and they meet with him because they really want to kind of connect. Now, if you don't know anything about Elisha, Elisha was an incredible prophet. He did amazing things. He parted the Jordan one time. Bible says that there was, so, there was like this well that was really, really um, like polluted and it was very not, you couldn't drink it. Nobody could drink it. And so he walked up, he spoke life into it, threw some salt in it and it did like purifying thing. And he like miraculously did it. It was awesome. So he kind of cured the waters, I guess you could say. And then there was, uh, there was this one time that was kind of funny. Uh, they tell the story about there were these kids that were making fun of him because he was bald. And so he like commanded uh, like bears to go and eat him and kill him. That's literally in the Bible. So like, they're like, Hey, baldy. Like, and so he's like, Oh yeah. And so grizzly go get him. And that's literally what happened. Like, and that crazy, y'all have to read your Bible. There's some crazy stuff in the Bible. So this is what happened. Okay. So this is Elisha. All right. This is who we're talking about. This dude knows God. Everybody say knows God. He knows him. All right. So they go this. So they, they go to him. They say, Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Like, Go to your prophets, to your mom and your dad's mom. He did like a mama joke to him. He's like, you, your mama, like, go to your king. Your mama's king. Y'all have it figured out. Why are you talking to me? And he said, no, no, we, 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 we need it because the Lord called us here, these three kings together, and to deliver us into the hands of Moab. See, they're still pouting. Like, God made us do this. You're the one. You work for God and fix it. You know, I get that a lot, you know, as a pastor. People come up to me in church like, I did this, pastor. You work for God. Fix it. And I'm like, 
I don't, that's not how it works, but okay. And so he goes on to say, next one, uh, go, go, and he said, Elisha said, surely as the Lord Almighty lives who I serve, I, I have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he, uh, you guys don't know this, he still worshiped the real king, the, the, the God, the, the, the true, one true God. And he said, I would not pay any attention to you. So because he's here, I'm paying attention to you, but now bring me the harpist. He's like, set the mood, which by the way, it's interesting to me, if you look through all throughout scripture, music always sets the tone for the presence of God. That's why we have worship in the beginning. It's not like, hey, what do you think? Is this like a cool idea? No, that's like a way that God likes to work is that music ultimately sets the tone. So don't come late to church. Is that okay? I didn't know that would cause a... Let's just pray. Come on, let's just end. That was good. Okay, anyway, I wasn't even in my notes. All right, so verse 16, and then, then he goes, Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. That's interesting music. Then God. Okay, so anyway, and then he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Okay, that's confusing. Okay, and then, For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind nor rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, so what your cattle and your animals may drink is going to be all good. Everything's going to be just fine. And uh, I, I, like, I like that it, it, it kind of settles with, with this statement. That you, you and I need to trust the Lord. And then he goes on to say this. This is simple. I like that. Like anything time, remember, anytime God puts something in the Bible, it's important. It's important. It's intentional. It's on purpose. God wants you to know that your biggest miracles are easy to him. This is simple. This is simple. It's not a big deal. You're stressed out about it. It's not a big deal. And then, and then he says this. He says it's easy to God. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. I like that. He's like, you're stuck in a situation. You need a miracle. Okay, God's going to take care of it. But then the whole reason you were doing this, God's going to do that too. It's like double for your trouble. Like God, he's going to take care of all of it and then some. So today we're going to talk about what I think is um, maybe a very unique, uh, I think, message when it comes to living a life of faith. It's going to be all on faithfulness. And so let's pray with that as our backdrop. God, we just love you, Lord. Thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that we're, man, we're in a great local church who loves the Lord, believes the Bible. We believe in the Holy Spirit can do what he can do as long as we're open to it, God. So we just pray right now, Father, that you would speak to us, do everything you can in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Have you ever started like anything in your life and then you got in the middle of it and you were like, that's not what I thought it would be? Like, I'm serious. Like, that happens to me a lot. Like, when I had kids, I realized, you know, when you don't have kids, before you have kids, you think it's going to be one way? Right? Like, can we be real in here? Like, you think you have it all figured out. In fact, you judge the people who have kids now. And you're like, when I got kids, that's right, right? Everybody say that. Say, say, when I got kids, yeah, when you got kids, you think you're going to do everything different that your parents did, and you think you're going to be better than the person you were at down at, you know, you saw you're at Starbucks drinking coffee, trying to read your Bible, you're trying to be holy, and there's some kids screaming in the corner, and you're looking at the mom like, well, you get a hold of your child. And then fast forward to now, you are that person in the corner. <laughs> Someone's judging you because you thought, you thought it was some way before you got into it. Uh, when I got married, come on, somebody. You thought before you got married, you had this thing figured out. You're like, man, I'm just telling you, when I get married, I used to tell people, like, I'm just telling you right now, I'm, I got this thing figured out. <laughs> I got married. 
I'm gonna let my wife know what's up. I'm in charge. Is, is that okay? Why? You, you think, and then you get in the middle of it, you realize you, it was not what you thought it was. Somebody asked me, Aaron, Pastor Aaron, will you ever write a book? What would it be called? I said, well, this is the title of the book. It would be my whole life. My, like if I wrote a book, like something on me, it'd be like, well, that's not what I thought it would be. Because most of the things that God, in fact, I would say this, most of the things God calls you to, you, you get in the middle of it and you're like, I, I thought this was God. I really thought this would be different. I thought that on the way to our victory, there would be no desert. And what's funny is most of the people I see do anything worthwhile in, in the Bible have these moments. And I'll, I'll say this. You and I need to know what to do in those moments. Like, there's a tension in all of us because, like, we, I've even realized with this church, like, this church, our church has been built on this idea of faith and faithfulness. Like, it's like, God, I believe in you, and I know you can do it. You said we can do it. But then there's this, like, there's this hidden element piece where I didn't just sit back and go, like, God, I want you to just do it. And, and what's funny is, like, how much of, of what you are sitting in right now, I remember we, we were, we, before this place was even, so let me just say, I, I wrote the book on how not to plant a church. When people come and ask me, I have pastors, they'll come and, you know, they, they want to, hey, pastor, how you do that? And, you know, we counsel pastors and help churches and coach places. And, and I'm like, well, here, let me just give you everything I did and then just do the opposite and you'll do great. Because, like, no one, let's take for the city. I've never lived here. I didn't know anybody when I, I didn't know anybody lived here when we decided to move to San Antonio. We didn't, we didn't know anybody. That's not in the church planting manual, by the way. They want you to go to places where you know people so that when you say you want to start a church, they don't look at you cross-eyed, right? <laughs> you have some credibility where they're like, hey, yeah, that sounds good. You're just not some guy just thinking about it. You know, we, I was, I had to, there was, it was faith upon faith. It was like, okay, well, we had to visit San Antonio, and then we moved here, and then we started talking to people, and there was all these little things. But, like, I just know when I got into this church, and when I started it, and we planted it, we had that moment where, like, this is just, the whole time it's been, this is not what I thought it would be. And, and I've noticed that, like, I, as you look at the Bible, and when God calls you to something, and you get in a moment where you need a miracle, because you guys probably all need miracles right now. We all need some miracle. You live in this world. You probably have a crazy kid or a crazy husband or a crazy boss or something. You're trying to believe God for something. And you need a miracle. And the danger as a Christian in the religious community in our community, because like our community, we're not necessarily like we're we obviously there are many unchurched, but our community at large is not necessarily unchurched. We're more de-churched than we are unchurched. In California, we're unchurched. I'm from California, I know. Here, at least there's a semblance of religion, and you know, there, there's you got some belief of God, you know, whether you're Catholic or Christian or Lutheran or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like you at least had some part, you're at least maybe one generation away from somebody who believed. And being a Christian, but, but see, like the problem in the religious community, and I grew up with it, is that you and I can get religious, religiously lazy with our miracle moments. So what you and I do is we go, God, we need a miracle, and we pray about it. And then we look up to the sky, 
and we wait. And you, and here's what's funny. I met some of you who you're like, well, pastor, that's what we should do. Because, you know, like, man, that's what we got to do. And then there's some I meet and they're like religious zealots. And they're like, yeah, that's what you should do. God can do anything. I'm like, yeah, God can do anything. But read your Bible. He likes to use you and I in the process of our miracle. He likes to see faith. And, you, and, and I, I'll just laugh, I laugh at people sometimes. They're like, well, you know, it's not, it's, I'm not saying it's all on us. I'm saying it's all on God, but we, God invites us into it. And there's a miracle on the other side of your faithfulness. So you can believe that God can do what he said he can do, and he is who he said he was, but there's a, there's a, there's a gap in there. And I'm, I've just noticed this as a pastor, because, like, people will come up to me, and they're like, I, I want my marriage to be better. God, make my marriage better. And then you wait. Kids, God, make my kids better. Fix them. And then you wait. God, make my finances better. God, make my business better. God, make something better. And then you wait. And I think sometimes God goes, wait a minute. You're missing a part of this little ingredient. I like to have you be a part of it. It's called faithfulness. There's a step of faith. God said there's a God, the righteous shall live by, by faith, and it's, it's a by-faith movement. It's, a, it's an active church movement. I, I'm not, we're not a church that comes and sits. There's plenty of those. Go find them. Plenty of them who like to go sit, and then we're just like, okay, just God, please. And God's going, wait a minute. I called you. I, I want you you to be a part of your miracle. I want to invite you into your process. There's something that he does. He chooses to work in principle. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to work in this little thing called faithfulness. In fact, I would say this faithfulness is bridges the gap between your faith and your miracle. There's something that happens in the middle. Yeah. You ever watch the, the stories? You ever go read the stories about Jesus doing miracles? Rarely did he walk up and it just happened. Like that woman who had an issue with the blood, like you should go read that story because it was so cool about it was that she believed, but she walked up. What'd she do? Come on. She walked up and she touched the, the hem of his garment, which was the seat seat of the rabbi, which was all in his authority. So she stood on what God said he could do. And then all of a sudden, come on. Oh, he didn't even know she was there. It just power left him. He's like, whoa, that was cool. Who, who did? Who did it? Which, by the way, he knew who did it. Jesus didn't ask questions. He don't know. He was proving a point. He was saying, y'all see? She's figured it out. That God doesn't want us to be lazy with our faith. And so there's this, this thing called faithfulness I want to talk about today. Three observations on it from this story that I think and I believe and I know for us as a church. We're not going to be the church that just sits and waits like God has empowered us. God has given us vision. God has given us a step. We want to do what we, our part, God does his part, miracles happen. It's going to be awesome. First observation from this text, what does it look like to believe for your miracle in your church, in your life, in your family? Three observations. Number one is this, only God can send the water, but sometimes we need to dig a ditch. I'm feeling good today. I got an extra hour sleep, so I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 3, verse 16. So the guys need a miracle. They're caught in the desert. This is what God says, okay? Here's, here's what God says. He's highlighting for you his character and how he works. Thus says the Lord. Everybody say Lord. 
that means God, yep, make this valley full of ditches. Now, here's what's funny. I, I, I can't read that and kind of go, okay, God, why? You don't really need the ditches. You don't really need them to perform the miracle. If God wanted to, he could have had ditches everywhere. Ditch, 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 ditch. I'll put a hole there, a hole there. Grand Canyon. Boom. It's just right there. He didn't need them to build the ditch. He didn't need the ditch to have to happen for him to send water. Yet, he wanted them to be a part of the miracle. He likes to see the faith. Walked out. It's called faithfulness. Being faithful, walked out active moments in your faith. It's why all throughout Scripture you see God showing us this, this, uh, this, this idea that faith without works is dead. What do you think James was talking about? That there's a part of your life. We're not talking about salvation. You don't do anything to earn your salvation. Jesus earned your salvation. You just have to accept it. But there's a part of your life when it comes to your faith being worked and walked out. You gotta, there's something you gotta gotta get in part of. You gotta get involved with. You gotta come and agree with God to the point where you take a step. And then God seems to show up. Now, let me be clear. Churches cannot make miracles. Pastors don't make miracles. I don't make miracles. Religion doesn't make miracles. Church organizations and denominations don't make miracles. We cannot force a miracle from God. You cannot manipulate a a miracle from God. God is not a cosmic vending machine where you put your faith in and then the miracle comes out. That is not how it works. But I will say that it's pretty interesting to me when you look at the principle of how God works, when it comes to miracles, there's always seems to be some level of a step of faith. God doesn't need ditches for the rain, but he asked for them anyway. Why? And the first one is this, is because God delights in seeing our great faith. God delights in it. Look at Jesus all throughout scripture. I like that one where he was, he, there's a great story. If you're not a Christian in here, there's a great story where Jesus has a pagan man comes up and asks him to heal one of his people. And the guy literally says, you could just say it. And I like this. Jesus says, I've never seen what did he say? I've never seen such great faith. He's like, I've never seen it. It made him smile, made him excited, made him happy. It made him kind of like empowered. He's like, man, they're starting to get it. It feels like somebody understands that like in the process of you wanting out your miracle, sometimes you got to take a step. Like there's just a step that you and I can take and God actually likes to see it. It makes him smile, makes him proud like a daddy likes looking at his son. Second reason is this, is so that we don't waste a miracle. I like that about God. God does interesting things sometimes, you know. Like when he does the miracle, have you ever noticed that sometimes right before the miracle, we ask God for the miracle so much that we neglect to realize that we might not have the thing to hold it? And so shame on me for asking God to send more people here if I can't currently hold the amount of people, if I can't steward the people that I have now. If I don't have the character to hold the people that I have now, then why would God ever send me any more? Why would he send me a miracle I can't hold? Why would he send you? Why would he answer your prayer if you don't have the character to hold it? The reason he wanted him to dig ditches is because he knew, man, the water would go everywhere. It's pretty simple. 
I like there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is at a wedding. This is before he even started his ministry. People recognized who he was. Again, active faith. They walk up and they ask Jesus, Jesus, will you make some wine? And I like some churches, they're like, it wasn't wine, you know, it was kind of different. No, it was wine. Jesus wanted them to have a good time. Send your emails to Pastor Jason. Anyway, <laughs> and so they ask him to fill up jar. He, they, he said, Jesus, will you make wine? He says, my time isn't come here. And I like what he says, but you know what? Okay. Y'all recognize. You know? Okay. And then what does he say to do? Does he say, okay, y'all have wine. Go read it. He, he, said, he said, go get jars and put them in front of me and fill them with water. Come on. He said, do something. I want to see you really think you really, you really. Believe. It's cheap to say I believe sometimes. It's easy to check off Facebook that you're a Christian. It don't cost, that don't take no courage, just so you know. It takes real courage. It takes real faithfulness to step out in what you say you believe. Jesus, we want you to do through a miracle. And he says, okay, let me see it. Come on, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to buy into it. I want you to have a piece of this. I want you to understand what this is like. This is how cool it is to be a Christian. So in your life, how is that with you? I had a guy come to me, and he told me one time. He goes, hey, pastor, I'm praying for a wife right now. He's like 28. I said, oh, that's cool. He goes, but I'm really praying for a wife, you know, and uh, I just really believe God's going to give me a miracle woman. I'm like, oh, I'm like, cool. I'm like, Tell me about this. Like, is she like, is she going to one day knock on your door? And then the door's going to open up and smoke's going to come in. Doves are going to fly out from out of her. Hair is going to be slow motion. She's going to do the hair, slow motion hair flip that y'all girls know how to do. Just add a, just... She's going to stand in front of you. I am heareth. Taketh me away. And I look at these guys, and I'm like, how about, look, okay. I said, I said okay, good. I'm gra- keep praying. Don't stop praying. God's got to be in it. You want the right woman. But here's, what, here's a couple of things that you could do. If you want unsolicited advice, try to maybe go to the gym. Maybe comb your hair, brush your teeth, move out of your parents' basement, maybe get a job, stop playing your Xbox, and actually walk out the faithfulness of the thing you're trying to pray for. That's a miracle to me. But how lazy are we sometimes with God? You, we do that with God all the time. God, you do it. You do it. And God's saying, I will. I want to. I love you. Go get some jars. Vision 2020. Next week, next week, you need to be asking what kind of ditch you want to start digging. Come on. We got it. We got some places. We got some things we're doing. We got some places we're going. We got some, we got some, look, I'm just telling you right now, my goal in life is to make the devil so angry. I, 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 we are plundering hell currently and populating heaven. I want to be a part of that. And not every church does that, just so you know. Okay? 
It doesn't make us better or worse, but I'm telling you, we got vision and we're on purpose. Heaven and hell are real. Eternity is a long time, and this ain't no stinking game. What ditch are you digging next week? What are you praying for right now? Stop praying. God, I hope you show up and I hope people give. God's saying, what are you giving? What ditch are you digging? I want to send a miracle. Come on. It's the collective faith of people. Number two is this. You don't need to understand fully to obey immediately for your faithfulness. Verse 17 says, thus saith the Lord. I like this. this is funny. Okay, I'm going to give you insight to my Bible reading. Thus saith the Lord, you should not see wind or rain, yet the valley will be filled with water. Um, okay. So God, you're going to have us dig ditches. There's going to be water in it, but it's not going to come from anywhere. I feel like I'm missing something. Could you help me understand what you're saying? And then God doesn't say anything else. Have you ever had that conversation with him? He told you to go do something. You got in a moment. You're in a miracle moment. And he's like, okay, go dig a ditch. I got a miracle coming. And you're like, but how's it going to happen? And he doesn't answer you. I find it funny how most people, if you're not a Christian in here, can I just, this is so for you, okay? This is so for you. Because I always felt like most of the pastors and preachers and churches that I went to, they're like, you can't become a Christian until you fully understand God. Then I'm never going to become a Christian. How are you going to fully understand God? And I like it when people come in and like, well, I can't go to church because, man, I don't understand the Bible completely. I'm like, you? Just you? I'm the pastor. <laughs> we only use the fully understand thing with God. Have you noticed that? You, I'll prove it to you. You sit in a car that you got here, and you don't even know how it works. You think you know how it works, but you don't. And I'm a mechanic. No, you don't. You weren't there when it was built. You don't know how the things are working. You just assume, I, 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 put the, I push the button. Now you don't even put the key in. You just push the button. Let's push the button, and it works. You don't walk up to your car and say, I'm not using you until I know exactly how you work. I'm not going to be a part of you. It's just not going to happen. It's just a, sorry. You use compu- computers, your phone. No, I know how it works. No, you don't. You don't know how it works at all. You don't have anything, any clue. But yet you, your whole life is consumed with it. How are you going to come to God and be like, God, I'll be a part of your life. We'll do this whole Christianity thing as soon as I figure everything out. Till I fully, I like that. That's another thing religious people like to do is like, if I fully believe. If I fully believe. You didn't read the Bible. There were disciples who walked with Jesus for long periods of time. And then the Bible goes, they did things with him. They walked with him. They loved with him. They did ministry with him. They did everything with him. They did life with him. And then they goes, then they believed. I'm like, what, what were they doing? What happened before? It literally says that. Oh, and then the disciples finally believed. Great. It's a progression. It's a walk. It's a step of faith. Peter, I like, I like Peter's story, how, like, you know, Jesus, they're, they're fishing, and then he, the, Jesus walks up, and they hadn't been catching anything all night, and then he, th- he says, throw it on the other side of the boat. This is professional fishermen, by the way. And he says, throw it on the other side of the boat, and Peter's like, oh, I don't understand this. You, Jesus, you don't even know anything. You're a preacher. I'm a fisher. I got this. You don't understand. Why would I throw it over there? That doesn't make any sense to me, and he does it and catches fish. Then, 
you fast forward many years and you see him being celebrated as a great man of faith. They had these, have y'all ever been, seen uh, a picture of St. Peter's Basilica? It was, it, it's incredible. And this stuff comes from, look, we celebrate and like, we, 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 why, why, why do they call him a great man of faith? Like, it's not a Catholic Christian thing. I'm saying like, why was he celebrated? Because he stepped outside of his own understanding for one moment and trusted Jesus. He trusted Jesus. At some point in your life, for you to have a miracle moment, you're going to have to take a step of faith and do something that you don't fully understand, but you obey completely. That you obey completely. Many of the godly principles that we have are contrary to cultural ways. Did you know that? They don't make any sense. Lose your life and gain it. That don't make any sense. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. That don't make any sense. Give and you shall receive. That doesn't make any sense. And yet, great people of faith always take a step of faith in their process of their miracle, and then all of a sudden, God shows up. He chooses to work within principle. Vision 2020. Next week, we have a step of of faith to take. God, I've asked every one of our families to take a moment and pray about what you would bring sacrificially, which means it's going to take a sacrifice for you to give to the next step of, uh, of, of Vision 2020. And what's going to happen when you ask God? I'm just telling you. I'm just, I've been doing this for a long time, okay? Just trust me. What's going to happen is God's going to tell you a number that does make no sense. He's going to do it. If you ask him, he's going to answer, and then he's not going to make any sense. He's going to say there's going to be water, but there's not going to be rain. And there's not, I don't know. He's going to, he's, it's not going to make any sense. Dig the ditch. Take a step. You don't know what's on the other side of your step of faith. The last one is this, and I'm closing with this. Believe big, but start small. Believe big, but start small. We need to believe big as Christians, by the way. If you don't dream big, you're insulting God. If, I'm telling you, if, you're, if your dream isn't intimidating to you, it's insulting to God. You need to dream big. God, what God could, what good God, I was praying for our church, and I was asking God, I said, God, well, you know, Lord, if you would just give us maybe a, maybe a next step facility maybe there's a a bigger rented facility because why would you want that i'm trying to give you a city i was like okay my my bad believe big but you gotta you gotta start small you got to start small i like what zechariah 410 says do not despise the small beginnings for the lord rejoices to see the work begin we're at the beginning stages these are small beginning stages that are going to build towards something amazing and it's often little steps that lead to your blessing so my question to you today is what small step are you going to take what small step are you going to walk out what small step are you going to what ditch are you going to dig on behalf of the vision that god has put inside of this church because you're a part of this spiritual family and family has responsibilities god what can we do together in for vision 2020 next week we take a small step in a big vision my prayer for you is that you would catch hold of what God is saying that really the summary of this message in a nutshell for faithfulness is that if God spoke and he did speak to us you've seen it manifest over time if God spoke do something do it now even if it's small if God spoke do something do it now even if it's small if God spoke come on it do something do it now even if it's small you have a, pro- a part to play in this house 
And I don't want to be the church that just kind of, we think we're so cool and we think we're so Christian by praying and just, yeah, we're just going to, you know, we're just, well, we just got, God's just going to do it. And really we excuse spiritual laziness as religious, you know, piousness. We think we're so religious. We think we're so holy. And God always invites us into our miracle. Go through every story inside of Scripture where Jesus does a miracle. There's something powerful about it. He loves you to be a part of it. We want to be a part of what God's doing. And I'm praying today that you would have faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I want to build your faith today that God can do anything in your life. And if you need a miracle, come on, dig a ditch. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately and start small. Come on. God can do anything.